Hello, everyone, and welcome to Next Gen Newsweek, your weekly podcast for everything regarding the Xbox Series X, PlayStation 5, and Nintendo Switch. My name is Mitch, and I'm joined with Richard. Yo. And Michael. Howdy. How's everything going with you guys? Peach King. He stole it. He stole my intro. <laughs> all right. So um, before we get in the middle of all the stuff, we have to talk about a couple of things we need to address. First off, it has uh, been a very slow week as far as news goes, but with good reason. Uh, the PlayStation 5 event was postponed until probably later this month. Uh, this is the statement that Sony said is that while we understand gamers worldwide are excited to see the PS5 games we do not feel that right now is a time for celebration, and for now, we want to stand back and allow more important voices to be heard. So, um, we will continue to keep you guys updated with Sony and anything that they say about when the PlayStation 5 reveal will be. And as soon as we hear more news about it, we'll be sharing that with you guys probably on social media. So, you can make sure you subscribe to us at NGNW Podcast so you can stay up to date with all that news. Like I said, we don't have a lot of news to cover this week, and unfortunately, with everything that's going on, the IGN Summer of Gaming event, which is kind of like this year's E3, but all online, was also pushed back along with a lot of other digital events, so we will hopefully have more news to share next week. One of the events that got moved to an online format was the Summer Games Done Quick, which is a charity organization that is supposed to be helping uh, raise money for Doctors Without Borders. And pretty much the format of the event normally is to have a bunch of speedrunners come up. And as they clear the trials in the game, that let them either break the game or do a 100% speedrun. Whichever format that they're using, then people donate money to uh, support Doctors Without Borders, among other charities that they are going towards. I'm really excited about Summer Games Done Quick. I always watch it every year and give some money to them if I can. So be on the lookout for that because I'll be tweeting more about Summer Games Done Quick as they reveal more information about that as well. So we have... A couple of articles to talk about, and we actually have a question, which is a new thing that we're starting where you can actually tweet us questions and maybe get those answered on the show. But for, for, before we get into that, we have an interesting topic that came up in, just in discussion, and it's about the games as a service model and other types of games, kind of like the Battle Royale games like Fortnite and Call of Duty and PUBG. So, Michael, you brought this to my attention the other day. What's uh, What do you think is going to go on with these games going into next gen? I, I was really just wanting to talk about how different companies have handled uh, different generational shifts in the past, but we're seeing a lot more free-to-play games that are, uh, that are uh, seeing a major market share. I mean, like Fortnite. But you have other things too. You got Warframe, uh, Destiny Two has gone free to play now, um, and you just pay for extra additional content. So uh, it's really just um, some of these companies before have hand- handled different market shifts and different console shifts in, in different ways. Before, uh, like with Destiny One and uh, in- into Destiny Two, they they I think that personally they handled that really poorly, and now they they've kind of left people in the dust with uh, with Destiny Two as far as changing different content within the game, rotating it out. Uh, it's, it's hard to really start into Destiny 2. And, and before, like with the Destiny 1 shift, they had like a market vendor in the game that they just completely did without anymore. And so those people were left without that content for really no reason. They could have had that as a random distributor, but instead now they just don't have that content at all. You also have to... Um, uh, like like Fortnite has done, they have crossplay, but I mean, different people have different performance uh, shifts, and so those players obviously have a are at a disadvantage. Like like say with like people playing on the Switch or play, people playing mobile, like they have the ability to filter other players out, but you're still you know you're it's it's harder to find a match, and then. Uh, Personally, when I'm trying to play on the Switch, like that stuff doesn't even load. I'll get a T pose with the default character. It's it's really janky. You know what's funny is that whenever I think it was shortly after they enabled crossplay with Switch and PlayStation and Xbox, they actually made it. I believe for the Switch, you can only uh, link up with mobile players. 
because since it can't run the game at 60 frames like the other consoles can, they kind of just shifted it out to the mobile side of it instead. So it's kind of playing a more janky but a higher frame or not yeah a higher frame rate version of the mobile version of the game but it's not even on par with the regular console version oh yeah it's it, it, it's absolutely terrible um like if i'm trying to play with uh like say with dauntless which is another uh free-to-play epic game uh I, i'll i'll if i have to play with uh, other players that are uh like same with some of my friends like david for example is playing dauntless on the switch i i can't stand it i'll have to play i have to play on my pc so isn't uh didn't isn't Fantasy Star Online two also crossplay now between oh, Xbox yeah. and it's coming to Switch too? Right, right, and I think that's part of Microsoft's uh, further you know their their cross generation platform too uh, going into the future. But uh, yeah, it, it's crossplay. With it, just to clarify the difference, so like crossplay is whenever you're able to play. Um, like a game on Xbox, and then you can also you can also play with people on Switch, PlayStation, everything. But there's also cross saves, which is like whenever, for example, I know, I know it happens in Destiny Two now, or even Fortnite, where if I play on Xbox and I can my saves and everything carry over to the um, Switch version, or I guess in Destiny's case, the PS4 version. So, do you think that going forward is cross-play going to be more inept going forward, or you think you'll just cross saves will be uh something that sticks around but cross play necessarily won't um i I think they should uh handle cross play in the same vein that that fortnite is you know you can enable it you can you know set your server to just american servers you know or you can just uh you know uh, play with everybody you know have it completely open and uh i don't think um there should be like a content struggle between the two. Um, lots of times before, you know, PlayStation has gotten exclusives before, and that's that's all that's all fine and good. But um, you sometimes you won't see those exclusives for like upwards of like a year, two years. Um, and Monster Hunter has done that. When a lot of these games are, are going cross-platform, you know, so that 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 having that additional content just as a lure seems a little bit unfair. Uh, most of the content isn't um, game changing, really, but like it, it's just really sad to not see that content in other games. Yeah, most of the most of the stuff that they ever do that's like cross save that you don't ever get to see a lot of is like those types of skins, like Fortnite, for example. Like they, PlayStation all the time puts out those um, special PlayStation Plus skins, but if I boot up on the Switch, they're just not there. So it's well. I think um, I think recently, and I do think people should follow Epic's uh, their example. Uh, people should follow Epic's example with that. Um, whereas, uh, I mean, they recently opened that up. So now, if I boot up uh, Fortnite on my PC, I'll see my PlayStation skins. Whereas um, Apex Legends, uh, I can't see my um, my skins cross platform. If I bought a skin on PC, I won't see that on the PlayStation, and vice versa. Um, and that's another sore point with Destiny 2 as well. Uh, if you buy content for one console, even though it's cross-save, you you don't have that content across all the consoles. They want you to buy that multiple times. Um, when the I mean, if your collection is you know on a cross-save basis, they should store that at the uh, the server level on their servers, not necessarily oh you buy it on this platform so you can only play on that. Um, even um. The uh, Google streaming platform, I uh, forget the name of that off the top of my head. You know about Stadia? Yeah, the Stadia. Um, they have an exclusive um, uh, Destiny 2 bundle. You get all of the content right there. And that's for the standard, uh, well, was the step, basically was the standard price of the game. Um, and that, if you get that, though, I think, believe, I believe, not really sure, but I think that, that is compatible with other platforms. And that's really the only way to get that, and it's kind of bogus. Um, but don't quote me on that. I'm not totally 100% sure on that one. <laughs> uh, Richard, you were saying um, off the mic that you start, you've been playing a Battle Royale game. What game are you playing? I would say, like, I, I play it, play The only one that I really get into is um, Fallout 76 has their own Battle Royale called Nuclear Winter. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I forgot that happened. But uh, and, and it's fun. It really is fun. 
Listen to you guys' conversation, though, about, because, you know, I, I don't play Fortnite or Destiny or any of those, but in regards to handling, like, cross-saves, and I wonder about the generation gap, because Terraria is, like, one of my favorite all-time games. You know, I, I bring it up oh, often. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, they got to a point, now, they were cross-platform. You had it on Xbox 360, you had it on PS3, you had it on the Wii U, you know, its home is on the PC. That's where you get the latest updates. Right. But they reached a point to where when the new consoles came out, you had your PS4, your Xbox One. The framework was just different enough that they literally had to have a development team for each one. There was a separate development team for the PS3 and the PS4, the Xbox 360 and the Xbox One. And they reached a point to where, whether it was console limitations or the fact that, you know, with an aging console, that audience gets smaller and smaller as everybody, you know, jumps the bandwagon to the next generation, that they actually stopped updating Terraria on the previous, uh, the previous consoles. So while you can still play it, you're playing an outdated version on the 360 than you would, say, the xbox one or the ps4 and what they did as far as your cross saves go is that when they made that jump and they severed that connection with the the previous systems you could upload your save into their server and they would convert it over to the new system so your saves would actually carry over from the previous system however it was a one-way trip you know once you converted your saves you couldn't go back to the previous console and play it and hope to, you know, have that content carry over to your other save, you know. So, you know, when it comes to that, you, know, you think about Destiny, Fortnite, and they add new features or they add just whatever. If they release new content or if they add new features, is that going to be something that the older consoles would be able to handle despite hardware limitations? And would they reach a point where they would just have to be like, okay, you know, we'd like to do this, but this is an aging console. We're going to stop our updates. And, you know, eventually they would shut down the online servers and just focus on the, the current gen. So just to go with that, um, a few weeks ago, whenever um, Unreal used the PlayStation, they used that PlayStation 5 demo where they were showing off the, um, that, yeah, the tech demo. They said that, not Fortnite's going to be on the next gen systems day one. Like it's already, they've already confirmed it's going to be there. However, they said that going into 2021, at some point, the game is going to be updated to Unreal Engine 5. So, does that mean that if the older systems aren't capable of taking advantage of UE5, does the Xbox One, the Switch, and the PS4 version, and maybe even to an extent the mobile version, get left behind for the new versions or is there a way for that game to run on both of those engines at the same time i think it really just depends on the the base scripting language of the game i mean they do have universal scripting languages universal engines um but i mean even at, at a certain point i mean the, those engines age too just like the, the games and the consoles do uh, and people start to you know elaborate and evolve and change everything about them and what they're using from destiny one to destiny two they had a similar progression uh changeover uh like like terraria but um uh you could still play your destiny one save file with that old save but you just wouldn't be able to transfer any other further progress over again and any new content that you achieved in that uh would not similarly still transfer over like in the future tense and uh, I think very minimal of it was, I mean, still usable even with the Destiny 2 save file. I think you got, like, some, uh, you know, your collector weapons and stuff like that. So a lot of the starter starter equipment and your legendary stuff. I mean, Destiny 2 is obviously using those, the game, the those still uh, using those base items, but the mechanics are completely different. Yeah, I think for, like, stuff like that, it's probably easy for them to carry over and... To touch back on something I think we talked about on the first episode was about how, what if uh, Grand Theft Auto Online 
came to the next gen stuff and i think that the only way that they would do that thinking about it now is that if they did add like not just the same map but like they would have to add on to that map so i also wonder if they would be interested in moving that uh like any future updates to gta online over to the old versions to keep it up to date with the new versions but i don't know it's just we're talking wishful thinking right now and speculation about what they're planning on doing because they may just decide that they're going to support it for as like i said as long as the hardware will allow them to do it but you never know some in some cases it may just be that they just drop support for it altogether well we won't know until they officially come out and say anything about it though i think what else i'd like to see is like a um maybe not so much in a, as as an analog sense but still like a nice changeover to future games um you saw this with um, uh, like the Golden Sun series or like different long-term RPG sort of stuff. Uh, I believe uh, Mass Effect did, did something similar where uh, like if you played the first game, it would generate a code, you know, at, at the end of your save file, and you could use that that code and start up your new game on your second game and have you know certain bonus equipment and stuff like that. They, they could do that in a digital sense, like, you know, here's your save file in the cloud, boom, there you go, uh, here's your bonus. Yeah, um, the only thing I think that's going to be a hurdle going forward is I think that going into this next year, since this, the end of this generation of consoles has kind of been defined by these games of a service model, like your Battle Royales, like your Destiny, your Warframe, I mean, Warframe's been around for a while, so it's kind of different than the rest of them, but, like, do you think that going into this next generation that we're going to see a lot more of these games as a service types of things show up? Or do you think that roughly the ones we've got are going to be the ones that stick around? I think we definitely should see more of them. I mean, Epic has kind of proven their worth in their own right. I mean, they, and they right now they have one major one and that's Fortnite. And that's, I wouldn't say that's carrying them because they're also making the unreal engine and they have several other popular games. Um, but if, I mean, as long as studios can get like, you know, one or two cash cows that they can continually, you know, cash in on, they can develop other further free to play platforms and just branch out from there. You know, Epic has, you know, uh, Dauntless, they have, Ep- they have uh, Fortnite, of course, and then they also have the Spellbreak. You know, all, these are all free to play multi online games and w- with all different mechanics. And, all, all you're having to do is, I mean, as far as is, if you want to want extra stuff, that's all you want. You're getting different cosmetics. That's all you're paying for is cosmetics. You're not paying for different content. You're not paying to access different content. They're not, they're not keeping anybody from playing the game. Right. They're just, you know, it's just, hey, you want your character to look this way. You want your character to dance a certain way. You want your fireballs to be a certain shape. <laughs> And people will pay and, for and it, and they will. And they will pay out the nose. You know, you have twelve-year-old kids, it, yeah. you know, racking up their mom's phone, going, "Why are all these ten-dollar charges on my phone in February?" You know, and it, it's Fortnite. I know this is kind of off the the wall topic. They're talking about this. Uh, when I was in English, like I was taking a college English class, I had to write a paper about. It was supposed to be like an argument, and I, one of the arguments I was trying to propose is. Uh, microtransactions in video games considered gambling and I had to make an argument about it and I my thesis on it was not to I'm not going to try to remember the exact thing wording I used or anything but the whole topic was about the dude who spent I think $16,000 on a Final Fantasy mobile game um, I don't know if you guys know which one wow. I'm talking about or not oh, I do I do <laughs> And that, that's that's one thing I really don't agree with, you know. Um, yeah, just uh, the loot boxes. I hate the loot boxes, even though and even though they still yeah. are just for cosmetics, you're still rolling for a cosmetic. Well, that's that's know? the reason why um, Star Wars Battlefront Two came under such scrutiny when it came out is because that game was like pay to win because it was it was impossible to like I, I think it was unlocking like the special T characters like Darth Vader and Luke and all of them. Like, you had to pay, like, so much, like, in-game currency, but you could just buy it. you and Or you had a chance to buy it. And if you had those characters, you were at a competitive advantage to other people who didn't have it. And that's why the EA had to completely rework how they thought all that stuff. 
And, and see, that that's that's completely not fair. Yeah, I wouldn't call that gambling, though. You don't think so? I mean, that's just a... That's just a, I think, you know, for it to be gambling, you have to put money up front with an unexpected outcome. Well, that's what well, was the thing is that um, I, I may have misspoke, but the loot boxes in like Battlefront, like you roll, like it wasn't, you actually were like putting money in it and you didn't know if you were going to get one of those characters back or not. Yeah. Now that, that is gambling. So straight up. Yeah. Which by the way, um, Star Wars Battlefront two is currently free on PlayStation plus this month and it no longer requires you to pay money to actually enjoy playing it. Yay. Michael, were you getting ready to say something else? Oh, um, Apex Legends, I think, handles handles loot boxes a little bit differently, and I think it's acceptable. Um, whereas you're, you're just you're, your loot boxes are really just for cosmetics, and I still don't like that. But you're not. Uh, they also have unlockable characters that are. I mean, you can uh, pay money to unlock those characters faster, but you can also earn them all with very quick gameplay. So I don't think it's completely unfair to lock those characters behind that. Which, something else we haven't talked about, which is not, like, groundbreaking news or anything, but the ESRB, I think it was two months ago, made it to where if your game has loot boxes in it, you have to put on the tag that it has uh, references to online gambling. Um, not that parents even read ESRB tags anyway, but it is now there for legal purposes. As it should be. I think that's fair. Because work, yeah, working at fair. GameStop for one year, I could uh, tell you that no one cares about the ESRB tags, especially uh, being the year that Grand Theft Auto V came out. But then now, I don't... Uh, Mike, when you're talking about Apex Legends, I don't know if you'd know the answer to this, but you said there were characters that you could unlock via those loot boxes. Do you know if, for instance, if you unlock like character A, would there be an instance where you purchase another loot box and you end up getting character A again? Oh no! So the characters are not themselves in loot box, but you'll. Uh, oh okay, okay. Uh, you can, uh, and I do think this is a little bit unfair too. But you can unlock skins that you don't have characters for, so it kind of makes the loot box ah, that you purchase either right. either with in-game earned co- coins or with hard-earned money, kind of kind of a moot point. You know, you'll unlock a little like voice box yeah. or what have you for a character you, you don't have. One of the things that I remember when I was playing Call of Duty Black Ops 3 it was it also had a really bad in-game like microtransaction system where and it and pretty much had loot boxes in it where you could put those Call of Duty points or like you can earn these little crypto tokens but you earn them really slowly in the game you cash them in and you get like a loot box and like Michael you were saying where like you you can get skins for characters you haven't even unlocked yet but what I thought was cool about it is if you unlock something and you get it again out of there, you can actually cash it in and get more of those cryptocurrency things back. But and you, the more you, you get more back depending on what rarity it is. So you can technically keep rolling it for longer periods of time, but it's still it's still gambling to an extent if you're putting real money into it. I, I can see the pro and cons of that. Um, I mean, other things are set to where you know you can't you can't get that cosmetic again. Like you can't ever roll for that again because you've already earned it. Yeah, I think it would have worked a lot better if they had said, okay, once you once you get this, you can never get it again, and eventually you just start. Even if you started off getting all the really crappy stuff up front, you'll eventually start pulling all of those really good things at the end of it. But I hate that the companies that are for loot boxes are comparing it to like baseball cards but then again i also get it because it's kind of the same thing to a low tier extent but that doesn't mean that it's the right way to go about it oh well, yeah i mean and i can see the argument and i think it's a valid argument but i mean you have you have different markets you have uh i mean society is a little bit changed right now but i mean i do see the comparison it's a very strong comparison but i still don't agree with it yeah yeah, I think part of the problem is, you know, when you look at something like Magic the Gathering or Pokemon, you know, where you buy in those blind packs. Very true. Even if you have doubles or something like that, you still have like a physical item in your hand. Whereas if you get a double of something on a digital medium, you, you really do have nothing. That's very true. Yeah, because I mean, like, even, yeah, because if you get two of the same skin for a character, you know, like you can only equip one of them. <laughs> you get the other one, you're just kind of stuck with it. And at that point, you're truly wasting your money 
on stuff like that. But um, So we're going to go ahead and jump into the question that was submitted to us on Twitter. This question is from Matharak underscore XBL. And he says, in regards to Sony being fined $3.5 million over their misleading refund policy in Australia, with more people switching to digital games, do you believe it is time for Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo to update their digital refund policies? Richard, you've been looking into it a little bit. Uh, what are you What are you thinking right now? I'm thinking that my, my knee-jerk answer is yes. You were telling me about Steams, because I wasn't aware of Steams, but... And again, correct me if I'm wrong. You said two hours of gameplay or two correct. weeks. So if you if you buy a game, regardless of whether you if you don't boot it up at all, you have two weeks to uh, return it through Steam's online store. Um, however, you can only play up to two hours of it. If you go over that, they assume that you like it and you're going to keep it. So yeah, if you go over two hours, you're you're still stuck with it, even if it's in that two week return window. Yeah, I think I think two hours is enough time to really make a judgment call. True, and I know some people who have uh, beat it within that two hour window, like certain games. Yeah, that you know you'd have to factor that in uh, to an extent. But also, what I was trying to find, and I never really got an answer for, was just how digital storefronts handle inventory. Because, like I was saying earlier before the podcast, when you have a retail outlet, they buy. You know, I'll use small numbers just for an example. You know, they'll buy 20 copies of said game. Then they have those 20 copies that they can sell at retail to make profit. If it doesn't sell that well, they discount them. You know, at that point, though, the developer already has their money. I don't know how that works with a digital storefront. I don't know if, say, for instance, Sony Network buys a certain number of, for lack of a better word, a registration codes so that the inventory of those digital titles is transferred to Sony, or if there's like a direct transfer of funds where if I buy a game from Sony Network, then at that moment of the transaction, Sony automatically gets their 15 to 20%, whatever, and then EA automatically gets their cut of it at that point. Because if it happens at point of sale, Sony wouldn't be able to offer a return policy unless they eat that because they've already given the money to EA. And I don't know if storefronts like that would be willing to do that because that, that does increase a certain level of liability. I'm sure if they're offering those agreements, they, they've kind of worked it out in their trade deals. Um, a lot of that stuff is handled in accounting. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. It's just, you know, it's, it's hard for me to have a judgment call. Like I said, initially, yeah, I would say that a return policy like that is good. But without knowing the, the fine print of the inner workings on how the money's actually handled at the point of sale on a digital storefront, I don't want to sound like, you know, being entitled and be like, absolutely, you know, they should, you know, eat the cost of that refund. But no, I think uh, I think they should. I think a more complicated answer uh, or question, really, um, and this is something I, I really wanted to do, is gifting games. You know, like I've owned a game for however long, and I want to let my friend play it. You know, maybe not even just borrow it. Like, I'm just like, here, you know, I, I'm never going to play this game again. Uh, I'm going to gift it to you from my inventory. That's what I say. I've, I've never actually used it, so I can't really speak on it, but... SharePlay on Sony. What is? Does, do you know how that works? I, I knew. Isn't that similar? I believe the way it works is um, you pretty much can stream your game to someone else's PlayStation, and they can act as player two, I believe. Or you can give them like full control, and you just kind of watch them. Like if you say, for instance, you were playing Dark Souls or something. And you couldn't beat a boss, but your friend was really good at it. You could virtually give him the controller, and you know, God forbid, latency is on your side. You're able to, you know, actually be. He's able to beat that boss for you, and then he can send the controller back to you. I can do that, by the way. If anybody needs help, any Dark Souls or Bloodborne, then <laughs> just text me. I'll I'll jump in. I'm gonna uh, reach out to you. Yeah, I, I'm. <laughs> a part of me wants uh, to play Bloodborne so bad, but I just cannot make myself pick it up. Oh God. <laughs> It's such a good game. I know, I've heard, but I think that um, I think the only also thing. Also, if you have uh, Amazon Prime right now, you also Wait. can download uh, Dream Daddy for free. <laughs> Damn it! 
<laughs> Hold on. I just I just got some confusing information. Mitch, you said you couldn't pick it up, but from what you just said, I take it you've not even played it yet? I have not played Bloodborne. I've only watched gameplay of it. Ah, you got no, you can't just not pick it up because you've watched it. You gotta you gotta at least give it a shot. Well, from what I understand, let me put this in perspective. Um, the only Dark Souls game I have spent money on and played is Dark Souls 3. And from what I understand, that is like the Weenie Hut Jr. of Dark Souls games. And I got like big mad at this game. Like I've never almost broken a controller before. And that game made me do it on the first boss. You need to just watch games done quick because they make it look like a cakewalk. Oh yeah, totally. I've seen. I watched the. I actually watched the Dark Souls one. I want to say about two months ago, <laughs> the Dark Souls remastered speed run, and it was fun. You know, with Dark Souls, there's a blocking mechanic that I mean, you know, it's it's not foolproof, but you have that. With Bloodborne, you don't have. There's no block. You've got a stun lock with a flintlock pistol, and then you've got your roll dash, and it's literally. It's like that old Western movie, there's the quick and the dead. <laughs> That's all there is. <laughs> so, um, Michael, not to cut you off, but what, what what's Dream Daddy about? It is a dating sim made by Game Grumps. <laughs> uh, trying to find your dream daddy. Is it any better than Shower With Your Daddy? Uh, it is much better graphically, although I can't say if it's much better or worse than Hatful Boyfriend, which is a pigeon dating sim. But what about that uh, that underwear game? That's all the panty game that's on the Switch. That's all about stealing each other's panties and like Mario Party mini games or whatever it is. I am <laughs> not even aware of this. I'm going to have to download it right now. <laughs> all right, so um. Thanks, uh, Mathrak, for sending in that question. If you would like to send a question into us, you can tweet at me at NGNW Podcast on Twitter, or you can message me directly on through my personal Twitter at MeechFlow, and we'll uh, hopefully get you read your question out loud on the show. So, like I said, there's not a lot of news to talk about this week, but just uh, we've been kind of going nonstop every week with uh, constant news and you know, technical hiccups last week and everything, but I thought it would be a good idea to maybe um, just kind of let you, let us introduce ourselves, really, because I mean, yeah, you hear I'm Mitch and Richard and Michael, but you don't actually, just kind of, you know, just kind of get to know us a little bit better, so um, I'll start things off. My name is Mitch. Uh, my social security number is... <laughs> 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 um, I have... Um, been gaming since the Nintendo 64. That was my first actual system. I actually learned how to read by playing Super Mario 64 and learning how to read the guidebook and everything like that. Um, I've been a long, long time Nintendo fan. I've owned every system that they've ever owned up till now and uh, eventually branched out and started playing Xbox and now I'm um, I'm in the middle. I play all of them and now I'm, I'm uh, have a gaming computer, so now I am on the entire spectrum of the uh, video game community. And I'm also a content creator. I've had three different attempts at blowing up on YouTube. Then not all have gone very well. And I also stream on Twitch, which you can find me at MeechFlow, because that is my handle on pretty much everything now. Uh, Michael, you want to tell everybody a little bit about you? Well, you told them my name, and that was all I wanted to say, but <laughs> I've been playing uh, video games uh, since, like, the Super Nintendo and Game Boy Color. I'm, I'm also branching out uh, on social media. I've got a really popular uh, meme group going on right now. It's uh, Unsolicited Nudes, spelled N-O-O-D-S, uh, and it's really just pasta memes, and it's pretty wonderful. Uh, also, uh, <laughs> it's available on Facebook and also there is a subreddit dedicated to it now. Thank you so much, Mitch. <laughs> uh, I also, uh, run another, uh, smaller Facebook blog. Uh, it's, um, called open box, uh, tech deals. And it's really just reposting different, uh, free, uh, digital games, uh, as, as I find them. I think that's really all I got going for myself. All right, Richard. What's you? I know you got to tell us about you, but I'm also really excited for you to tell everybody about your uh, your project. Finally. Okay. Well, all right. I'm Richard. Obviously, I've been gaming since the uh, mid '80s. 
So I've been around the track a few times. I'm probably one of the more cynical gamers out there. I don't, I don't really like the direction that a lot of people has, or excuse me, not a lot of people, a lot of developers and game systems has went down. Especially Nintendo, I'm highly, highly critical of Nintendo. You'll, you'll come to realize that as, as this podcast goes on. But, uh, aside from that, and my, my announcement about my YouTube channel. So, without boring people of the details, board games is an industry that has really grown. They've grown 10% every year since 2017 profit wise. This is a multi-billion dollar industry specifically with um with kickstarter kickstarter gives birth to a lot of board games that otherwise would never be made a lot of miniature tabletop style board games that a lot of people love because there's also a hobby that's associated with that with painting miniatures and and a lot of this can can all be traced back to in europe where warhammer became a big thing where people would collect the the armies and paint them and I really see that as like the the birth of tabletop miniature gaming. But it's become a a big thing, especially with pop culture and stuff like that, because uh, CMON Games, they actually have a Masters of the Universe that they just announced, I think, two weeks ago, that they're going to be hitting on Kickstarter in early 2021. That not only do you have like the gaming appeal to that, you also have the, the fan base from the 80s for a cartoon that was only meant to sell toys that has not aged well at all, there's a huge, huge demographic of people that really love Masters of the Universe. But anyway, I'm launching a YouTube channel. It's called Board Game Breakdown. And in that, I'm going to do a couple of things. It's not going to be a direct sort of how to play. I'm going to give a general overview of how the game is played. And then I'm really going to break down what I think of the components, what I think of the level of the level of uh, complexity of the rules. Because the problem is you have something that you can take to a friend's house. You can go over it like 20 minutes. Everybody's ready to play. But then you have some of these more elaborate kind of dungeon crawler style board games where if you take it to somebody's house, you literally got to have like three or four hours to explain how to play. And at that point, nobody wants to play. You're not going to attract any no, casual right. gamers. Yeah, it's like it's like trying to set up a D and D campaign all in one day, and then trying to also run the campaign in the same right. day. Right? It doesn't work. I've tried. So I'm going to be talking about that that kind of complexity. Uh, the first uh, the first episode is going to be over the Jaws board game, which is uh, two to five players, and you can literally tell somebody how to play that in twenty to thirty minutes. It's really fun. It gets conversation started. It gets people pitted against one another because you got one person playing as a shark. The other three to five players are the humans trying to kill the shark. You'll see all about it in the video. But the videos is going to be general overview of the game and just what I think of the game. We're also going to do some unboxing videos for some of the Kickstarter games that have components that are only available to Kickstarter backers. And then also on Facebook and Instagram, through the same channel, I'm going to be showcasing some of the more artsy side of the hobby. Uh, There's a couple of Patreons that people are running now that, you know, they're, they're making thousands of dollars a month in designing 3D miniatures that people can print at home if you have a 3D printer. And then, you know, you can paint, you can have that specific piece one of the first uh, one of the first ones I'm going to showcase is a uh, a Patreon known as Capsule Chibi, and they just recently did an entire set of Chibi miniatures based on the Princess Bride, and they look absolutely oh, nice. phenomenal, and I can't wait to to showcase those. So you know it's going to be kind of an art showcase on the Instagram Facebook front, and then the YouTube channel is going to be for just board game overviews and some unboxing but the first video i'm hopefully gonna have done this week that's my hope awesome i've been waiting for him to be able to spill the beans on all that so i'm just as excited as hopefully you guys are because i'm really looking forward to it it's nice it's nice hearing about the jaws campaign um the board game so uh, and it's nice to know it's uh easy to set up so they're not biting off more than they can chew 
God. <laughs> yeah, I've only played it from the perspective of the shark. I would really love to play it from the perspective of the humans because as a shark, the game feels one-sided. It really does. It's like you, you just open the rule book and it says, rule number one, don't get eaten by a shark. Rule number two, see rule number one. Well, okay, so, and not to spoil the video, but as the shark player during the first phase, all your actions are actually written down in this small notebook. The other players don't get to see your actions. They do things as they're trying to pinpoint where the shark is on the island. And I don't know if, you know, I'm playing with people that just aren't very intuitive. I don't want to... I don't want to step on any toes in case they might be listening, but you know, I I don't know if that's where the breakdown is because you know, I see their movements because they can talk amongst themselves because they're a team against me. And it's so funny from that perspective, because I'll be listening to one of them and he'll know exactly where I'm at. And in my head, I'm like, crap, you know, this is it for me. They found me. But then the other two will convince him why he's wrong. And then it's like, oh, thank God, <laughs> you know. And it's it's funny to see that dynamic play out in front of you. Well, uh, and that is that is pretty hilarious. I mean, that's, that's uh, I guess it's in a similar vein to like One Night Ultimate Werewolf. Uh, oh yeah. But, I mean, you also have uh, I mean, um, uh, like Friday the Thirteenth, you know, the video game, where uh, I'm liking that, I'm liking that style of gameplay overall. Just you have like the one versus the many, and to see who wins. Yeah, and it's, like I said, it's really good. And it's played in two phases. In the video, I actually, I have clips from the original Jaws game for regular Nintendo. That's beautiful. Because that game happened in two phases. Your first phase, you're cruising around Amity Island trying to find the shark. And then the second phase, you're trying to, I don't know, hit it with an electric probe and then stab it with like the front of the boat. It's kind of odd. But in, in the board game, it's also two phases. In the first phase, you have the human players. They're trying to harpoon the shark with two trackers. And then the shark is trying to kill and devour nine people. So whichever of those happens first depends on Act 2 when all the players are on the orca and you're just trying to kill the shark. The way it breaks down is you don't want the shark to get all nine people because that's going to give him the most cards in the second to be able to do special moves. Whereas if the humans can get him harpooned before he can eat X amount of people, then that will actually increase their odds of having more gear moving into that second round. So that's how the first round kind of reacts to the second round and why you want to stop the shark sooner than later. That sounds so fun, actually. It does sound really fun. All right, guys. So before we wrap up, uh, we'll just run through what games we're playing this week. We'll throw it back to Richard. Are you still playing Doom? I am. Um, I think I read somewhere that there's 13 chapters. I've been trying not to look ahead because I don't want anything spoiled, but I am on chapter six. So I'm confident that I'm at least at the halfway point. And then I also, I'm still playing the, the final update to Terraria and its new journey mode because it's as Terraria is one of my favorite games, and it's just amazing. Uh, Michael, what are you playing? Uh, well, I've kind of I've kind of boosted Warframe. I started into Warframe because I got some freebies, um, so I'm trying to just really jump into that sort of gameplay. I haven't really gotten past the single player intro mode yet, but I'm I'm still really liking the gameplay. Um, still also kind of trugging along on Apex. So uh, it's kind of weird they had this uh, uh, like four little four parter. Uh, standalone mission that you couldn't it doesn't really tell you that you can't complete the story unless you finish off those open world missions it has a really poor way of conveying that i guess the uh the story tracker is is not helpful either um but uh, evidently I, i'd opened them during some uh like join play and then i uh, just had to fast travel to each little cavern and uh unlock the rest of the gameplay so now i'm trucking along with that I meant to ask you, um, you, we were talking about Destiny a little bit. Did you happen to participate in Destiny's uh, live event they did over the last week sometime? I did not. Okay, um, I haven't looked at I've, I've been, I've been wanting it. to get back into playing it. Uh, I really do because I, I do miss it. found a couple other free, uh, friends that are into it as well, but I just 
and I recently found out they even have uh, seasonal um, battle passes, which I think is absolutely ridiculous that they would branch off into that. But uh, it is what it is. Yeah, you were um, we were talking about the Jawsborg game. You brought up Friday the Thirteenth, and that's actually one of the games I spent the most time this last week uh, digging back into because I don't know why that I'm so fascinated by that game compared to something that's constantly getting updated more like Dead by Daylight, but I just, I love playing Friday the 13th and I just keep just wearing away at it. Did you ever play the, the one for the first Nintendo? No, but I've seen, I believe a geek Baron's video about it <laughs> with the iconic purple Jason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the Jason skin that I use most of the time. Oh man. Is, uh, that's, I hear, I hear you can actually finish that game in like 8 to 10 minutes. I have no clue how you'd be able to do that, but apparently that's a thing. Huh, yeah, I don't know. The only other thing I've been doing really is, other than continuously playing um, my Golf It putt-putt game, um, is uh, we start, me and some uh, friends on PC, we started uh, modding Call of Duty Black Ops 3 to make that game just way more fun and breathe like a new um, or a breath of fresh air into that game because... The maps for zombies that come with it are not really that fun anymore, but going to a Wendy's level or going to Pokemon's uh, Celadon City or any of the other custom crazy stuff we've done is just, it's been just, it's been so much fun. But that's pretty much what I've spent the majority of my week doing. Wait, I have a free game that I can plug. Let's hear it. All right, so this is, um, I don't know if. You know, it's certainly a, a specific audience, but back in the day, Nintendo made turn-based military games. I don't know if you guys remember them. It like was, uh, Advance, was it Advance, Advance Wars, Wars Advance Wars, your oh, whole yeah. Advance Wars series. They were immensely popular. I don't know why we don't see them now. I think it's one of those instances where Nintendo just commits to not making as much money as they could make if they wanted to. For what right. for whatever reason, you had a small developer that made a game similar called Tiny Metal. I heard about. Okay, that. It, and it was really good too. If you like, you know, and this is what I'm about to plug is a, a turn-based military military style game. It's by Arcade Distillery, which they're also the ones that do. It's a game that you've probably seen for sale because it it goes for sale for dirt cheap called Plague Road. It's got like a big plague, steampunk plague doctor. Now that game actually plays like Darkest Dungeon. You guys played that? I've heard of it, but never played it. No, okay. I don't really know. You have a party of characters. It's a role-playing game, but it's got a really specific art style and play style that kind of sets it apart. If you haven't checked out Darkest Dungeon or Plague Road, I would I would suggest because it's all hand-drawn graphics, and it's it's definitely an RPG. It is turn-based. Your battles are kind of like to the style of your old Final Fantasy games, but it's nothing like Final Fantasy. I know that sounds really vague, but I hope you have a good idea of what I'm saying now. Anyway, this free game is actually called War Theater Blood of Winter. It takes place in the same land that Plague Road takes place. So it's kind of like that Plague Knight steampunk style vibe, but it is a turn-based military strategy game. And it is for, I'm assuming it's free to play on all consoles. I know it's free to play on the PS4. It's also free to play on Steam. Is it? Okay. And the way that, I mean, it's kind of a hook, you know, I'll be honest about it. You know, you download the game and it is free to play. You're going to get two campaigns that you can play through for free. There are additional campaigns available for purchase, but it's not like it's going to break the bank because I think you can get like the, the mega pass where you just unlock everything for 10 bucks. So yeah, the well, max pass is just $10. Yep. There you go. Well, so if you you're, I'll oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, if you're a fan of like the turn-based military war type games, then definitely check that out. It's got a really awesome art style. And it's, it's just fun. Those games are really fun to me. I was just going to bring up, uh, I know it's not a free-to-play game, but um, this developer, Chucklefish, I read that right? I know Chucklefish. Yeah, Chucklefish, yeah. they made uh, Wargroove for the Switch, which is pretty much like a spiritual successor to Advance Wars. Really? Okay, i got to write down that little note. You know, there was also another game. It was for the Wii and the GameCube, I believe. It was supposed to be an Advance Wars game, but it ended up changing the title. It was called... Um, oh, man, what was it called? Battalion Wars. Sorry. 
I've heard of that. Battalion Wars was for the GameCube. Battalion Wars 2 was for the Wii. They had a sort of similar to that turn-based, but it wasn't turn-based. It was actually an RTS. It was a real-time strategy, but it wasn't an overhead like your typical real-time strategy. You could actually hit a button and you would transfer between units. And it took place sort of like a like a third person third person action adventure game. Oh, that's cool. Where you could you know one button would cycle through the different units that you had available, and it was I mean it looked a lot like Advance Wars, if Advance Wars was like a three D third person game. They used the same cartoony art style to make war look fun and exciting and very cartoony and not what it really is. Well, I, that sounds like it's a lot of fun. Well, uh, Wargroove right now is uh, on sale half off for $10 on Steam and also part of the Chucklefish and Friends bundle Man, for thirty four oh four. Chucklefish and Friends bundle, that's cool. I'm going to have to look Wargroove up. It also comes with a uh, free DLC, uh, so additional content if you buy the base game. Sweet. Um, Michael, you don't have any uh, new Shrek Super Slam updates, do you? You know what? I wasn't going to say anything. Because I was, I was almost a little bit done with the bit. But you're never done with Shrek. So I actually found uh, some tools. Uh, I found a reshader tool to inject different skins. And I'll have to custom make these skins. And it's going to be a bitch. <laughs> uh, secondly, I also found a ray tracing uh, injector tool. So you'll not only have... In, like better graphics and and better normals, uh, better lighting and shading stuff too. But you'll also have ray tracing implemented in the game. It's going to be really beautiful if I can ever get it off the ground. Is that ray tracing injector? Is that for any game, or is that just for Shrek? As far as I know, for any game. Ooh. All right. Well, we're we're about out of time for this week anyway. You, like I said earlier, you can uh, follow us at NGNW Podcast on Twitter. Uh, we also have a Facebook group, Instagram, and various other social media. The best way to reach us, though, is definitely through Twitter. Like I said, you can also follow me directly at MeechFlow. And coming soon, we'll have social media for Board Game Breakdown, which is Richard's new project that he's hopefully going to be launching this week. And we're, I know, like I said, I'm very excited to uh, see where that goes. Uh, do you guys have anything else you want to add? I think we're good. All right. Well, like I said, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. I was waiting for Michael to say, I love you. I mean, we can always shove it in there. <laughs>